What is up, everybody? Welcome to NFTs in the Arena. You're with your hosts, Mike and John. John, how are you today, brother? What's up, Mikey? What's happening, everybody? I'm brilliant, Sam. Fantastic, fantastic. So on the screen, we have a very special guest. It's a friend of ours and someone that Jonathan has basically lived his whole life with their brothers in arms. I've known Chris for many, many years since high school. But the interesting with Chris, Chris is Chris and Yawa from South Africa, currently residing in Shanghai, China. Chris, welcome. How are you, my man? Ah, uh, thank you, Mike. Uh, I'm great, my man. It's good to see you again. I mean, it's been a long time, bro. Like, um, um, I, and, and, you know, me and John, we were speaking about you, uh, quite a lot. Uh, you know, you inspire us, bro. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you inspire yeah. a lot more people. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be, here and uh, thank you, fellas. Thank you, John. Thank you for, uh, to me, it's an honor, gents, to be like, uh, you know, in the same conversation with you guys. It's always Amazing. been an honor. No, I appreciate that, Chris. Chris, and I think today the, the intention of you being here is, and I suppose so the audience knows. So Chris, uh, he's just no ordinary soul. He's an amazing guy. He's actually um, living in Shanghai, China for the last few years now, helping educate the younger generation there, but more so showing a true passion in cryptocurrency where Chris is heavily invested in the sense of being, knowing and having the finger on the pulse of what is maybe they'd be booming outside of what the norm is. And I think he's um, very interested in it, has a lot of information insights on the likes of Pulse Chain, Pulse X and Hex. And that's the, the kind of things we're going to get into today. Because a lot of our audience perhaps knows about NFTs, but not really knows about cryptocurrency. And Chris, this is the way I want to start the conversation. So starting off now, tell us about how your experiences in Shanghai, China, and how it is actually and um, with regards to getting into involved in the crypto space, because I would imagine there's some regulations and restrictions in the country. Yeah, um, you know, I was actually surprised when I first got here. I thought it was going to be like, uh, because I was into Bitcoin before I arrived. And so I was um, a little bit hesitant on how to sort of uh, get involved because I thought, you know, I mean, geez, it's China, bro. I mean, they banned Bitcoin how many times? You know, so yeah. now the last thing I want to do is get kicked out because, you know, I'm here trying to make money off Bitcoin. But um, surprisingly, um, it's actually very simple uh, to get involved in Bitcoin. Like, I mean, I make purchases uh, almost every week. Um, at one point, uh, it was like a daily. Um, and it's very seamless. Um, WeChat, which is... Uh, owned by Tencent, which is very closely related to the government, uh, you know, they know exactly what's happening. So all the transactions are processed. The government knows exactly when I'm buying, exactly when I'm selling. And uh, I've never had any um, encounters with the police or any regulator saying, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. When I arrived in uh, Shanghai, yeah, I started researching, you know, because uh, uh, I wanted to make sure that I'm on the right books. And Funny enough, the Shang, the uh, Shenzhen High Court uh, actually um, made a declaration saying that Bitcoin should be, um, a, 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 a Bitcoin is uh, a decriminalized, a decriminalized Bitcoin. And then um, later that year, in 2018, um, the Hangzhou Internet Court, and you know, I never knew there was an internet court, but the Hangzhou Internet Court said that Bitcoin should be a protected asset. 
So I was like, wow, man, I mean, come on. Yeah, the courts are saying such good things about it, you know, so it gave me a lot of confidence to just continue purchasing. And so surprisingly, regulation is actually quite positive, even though, you know, we've seen some negative things about mining and all of that. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that's a, sorry, Jono, that's a fascinating story, but I'll obviously pass on to you now. So I think what I also would like from, from you, Jono, because you're obviously quite well-versed in, in the space is like mm. kind of now, what would people that are not involved in the space that have not bought the, these cryptocurrencies, not only up the Bitcoins and the Ethereum's and the, the lines, but like the, the Pulse chains and the Hex, maybe take us through that and what you think is worthwhile for the listeners to actually hear. Um, well, look, like, like we all know, and perhaps some don't, we've heard the term, uh, do your own research. So I think that's paramount to, to, um, understanding the space, uh, not necessarily what direction to use, because that's, that's kind of aligned with who you are following and who are you being virtually mentored by in the space. So that's very important. So ultimately it's about aligning yourself with, with YouTube channels that are telling or at least speaking the truth most often than not. And then finding something that aligns with you, um, perhaps virtuously or perhaps just as a, a, a passion project. Because there's a lot of aspects to crypto. There's, there's, there's leaders in the space that want to change the world. There's, there's people that want to make a lot of money. Uh, and there's people that are just solving basic solution uh, problems at the moment. So yeah, it's, it's ultimately aligning yourself with the right people and then, uh, what, what resonates with you as a person. Chris, what, what is your sentiment on that? Like, t t tell us about your way of what, like, why are you investing in particular coins in particular, um, blockchains? Like what is your, your chain of thought? What is your rationale? Take us through some of the ones you invest in and help educate our audience on why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. So for me. Of course, Bitcoin was my uh, entry point, um, but I, when I choose a particular blockchain, I think about sort of like, you know, is there longevity, first of all, because I want to be in crypto for forever. Like, um, it's just one of the assets that I, I sort of just want to hold forever because, you know, it's very easy to sort of, you know, when you die, just leave the um, keys in the world and leave it to the next generation. Um, so when I choose a blockchain, I'm thinking about longevity. I'm thinking about the community. Uh, you know, is the community, uh, do they, are they thinking logically? Cause there's a lot of community that are very emotional and I get it. Um, but let's, let's focus on that. Well, so why, Chris, let's focus on that. What do you mean by like people getting emotional? Tell us about these communities, how are these communities formed? Like what kind of communities are you um, forming a part of, or what kind of communities do you post? Yeah. So, um, when I see a particular communities, uh, get emotional, what I see is the, the hype factor of being sort of the dominant, um, dominant sort of image of the, 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 the crypto rather than uh, the logical, uh, uh, community who actually understand the technology, um, you know, the emotional, uh, community is about gains generally. It's like, like how, how much money can we make? So that community generally wants to 
sell uh, their coins. And I mean, I think everybody should make money. Um, but, you know, if everybody sells, then, you know, it's basically going to go to zero. So, uh, which is not a bad opportunity for, for some people who want to arbitrage. But if you have a logical community, you know, some whales then start to have some kind of responsibility. They can pull their coins and, you know, make the coin drop. Uh, but then they actually start to look at the whole community as a whole and say, hmm, hang on, if I do that, I'm actually going to cripple the community. So let me actually withdraw my profits responsibly. And so, you know, that's where um, longevity comes in. And, you know, that's why I invest in particular projects um, that are focused on sort of a long-term play um, within the contract. And um, so, you know, I don't condemn um, communities that are emotional. Uh, you know, generally you'll see this with meme coins. You know, it's like, it's about the mania. And right now I think we've entered a mini meme season. Uh, we can see some of these coins just popping. Like, I mean, uh, I don't know if we can mention coins, but you know, one of the yeah. old coins. Bala Farm, Bala Farm. Bala Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shiba's rocking it right now. Shiba's rocking, bro. And, uh, you know, uh, that community is uh, uh, pretty emotional um, a lot of the times, uh, even though they do have some good. Um, uh, uh, they could, they've got a, a, a significant roadmap, um, but you know, the like community, like, uh, you know, those guys are not really as sophisticated as let's say Hex, you know, I mean the Hex community, I mean, those guys are educated. Those guys are going around educating people. Um, um, and they do, uh, also have a sense of mania in them, but you know, not like uh, the Shiba Inu. And so uh, Shiba Inu is uh, pumping hard right now. Um, it's very exciting. Um, and, you know, that excitement is sort of like the driving engine. You know, that's like, that's like the thing that uh, is being marketed, you know. So, 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 so I think that's good. I think uh, both, there's a space for both, you know, there's a place for both. But I like to sort of be able to identify that difference. Whereas Hex, um, you know, these guys are focusing on uh, locking coins up for long periods of time. You know, I mean, we've seen like even the founder, Richard Hart, announced that currently we have an annual, uh, an average of seven year uh, uh, lock period uh, within uh, everybody who's staking their coins, which is pretty incredible. But I think it's very underappreciated because people think, oh, okay, seven years, so what? Uh, that's a big deal if you think about it as an average. That means that people are locking their coins up for way more and it's just averaging out to seven years. So, um, it was you know, about with that kind of light, because about a year ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was even five. And, uh, so, so, so yeah, this is, this, um, let's, let's stop here. Cause now I'm going to, I'm going to segue into John because what you've touched on now is like, it's super interesting with the, the emotional side is, is effectively speaking to human behavior, the innate, um, characteristic and behavior of the human when they are exposed to various, ex um, ex experiences that stressed out with its opportunity to make money, life, death, those kind of situations, people act differently. And obviously it's the same thing now with investing in crypto, how reactive people are. And John, if you recall last week, we spoke about how if a, an athlete or if a particular person creates an NFT collection and have this huge following, 
And by virtue of what they do in society, the social thing that can compromise the image, like with Mike Tyson or um, Tiger Woods in the past, that's going to have negative impact on the value of the asset of the NFT. So now what Chris was speaking about now with Shiba, people are very reactive and emotional. Mm. Uh, how do you see that being taken forward into crypto and other NFT collections? What is your old take on that? Well, look, um, the, the Shiba, like I got into Shiba last year, Mage, and from what I've found from, for instance, that community is that it was quite predicated on, on, on making gains and, and making a lot of people in third world countries rich, which is amazing. Um, they're there. And like Chris mentioned, the roadmaps, it's quite significant, but outside of that, that aspect, it, it, it wonders for, um, many people. Uh, obviously with that being said, people jumped on and sold, uh, when it reached the top and counteracted that for, for people who bought the top, for instance, like I did, I bought the top, so I'm down on shipper, but that's just the journey. Uh, I understand if it's something I hold for the long term, which I'm going to, uh, cause most of my shippers in, in, in stake, uh, which earns me bone and bone, I think is going to be quite a. Uh, a strong asset in the future. So yeah, I, I, I do believe that some, some cryptocurrencies are going are gonna to bring people in for the gains. And this is going to lead to either one, people being disappointed or two, they'll be quite content, but nonetheless, uh, it's speculative. And always in this space to, to avoid speculation is to hold long-term um, despite the emotions. So if we can actually get into, um, educating people to, to hold and hence why hex is such a great, uh, asset is cause it, it drives people to actually stake and lock up their, their, their assets for long-term. So ultimately investing in time, which is essentially a, quite a, a very interesting, um, a nuance that we can start pushing as, as a society. And eventually everyone will, will understand this, 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 this way of life. And then, yeah, then it will nullify the emotions. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, I think that was a very good way of actually taking the audience through your train of thought, man, how, what you're looking at as an investor. And I think a lot of people might be of the opinion or the assumption that in order to go these routes and actually get these experiences, you have to actually now be involved in these communities and Chris, you've touched on communities now. Tell me what, like, what kind of communities are, are you working with? Are you driving? Are you building? And like, what is the, what is the value that you're trying to create for those communities? And how do you actually want to make this community different to others that you've seen? Well, um, interestingly enough, John created a, well, John, you know, invited me to an idea of starting a community, uh, online somehow, um, just to talk about. Uh, our experiences, uh, in investing in crypto and potentially even investing in, uh, other assets or maybe just a, a business in general. And so, um, the crypto club community that we have on telegram was, um, sort of, uh, John's idea. And we, you know, we try to, uh, figure out how to sort of start it. And so we thought about, uh, using signal, uh, the, um, 
um, the app signal and it just didn't work on signal. It wasn't like that easy to sort of uh, manage. And so Telegram was then the um, option that we uh, used. And then, you know, we started off by just literally talking about the investments that we uh, are currently making in, in, in terms of crypto and people were responding and then you know, we sort of had uh, people coming in, being invited. You know, John's actually invited quite a lot of um, people that he knows, whether they're colleagues or whether they're friends um, or whether just uh, acquaintances. And, you know, we've been basically sharing ideas uh, that we have. Um, at first, it was a lot of meme coins because at that time it was meme season and, you know, every coin was popping. I mean, even rugs were popping. You could make money off rugs. And uh, people were, and you know, it's, it was just a case of you know getting in and getting out uh, before. Uh, you let's know. talk. Let's talk about that, Chris. Let's talk about that. Like, tell us about why do you think these guys are doing these things? How much money do you think these people made? Like, let's go into that because uh, I think a lot of people don't understand the concept of these meme coins because it was the same thing with the NFTs. Where these random projects were popping up. I mean, like John, we've spoken about this a few times. Maybe help lead the conversation towards how you would do that. And maybe Chris can also add to that. Sure. Um, like the, the thing about the meme coins is that I think it's a very interesting, fun on-ramping process for people because, you know, the, the, the idea of it being fun makes that edge of investing sort of, um, not as, not as catastrophic because, you know, normally the ordinary person, when they think of investment, they think of high risk. They think of, oh, geez, you know, you know, potentially something's going to fall and uh, the cops are going to come after me or, you know, some kind of litigation is going to happen. So I think a lot of people just generally shy away from investing in anything. And so, you know, the meme coins is like sort of a fun entry to crypto and it's like, oh, well, you know what, I have a little bit of money, you know, it's a fun way to just, it doesn't feel like you're investing. It feels like you kind of gambling uh, and the, that gamble can uh, uh, reap you uh, quite uh, high earnings. And so, you know, it, it's like the casino, you know, people will rather go, generally people will rather go to the casino and, you know, spend like three, 400 rand, then take that three, 400 rand and buy gold or silver, for example. Um, so I feel that the memes were uh, great for people to sort of experience crypto for the first time, interestingly enough. Um, and then, um, at that time, memes were popping so uh, hard that even if you bought a terrible meme, uh, you would still be able to make money. And so what we started seeing in the community is people saying, Hey, I just bought this. Uh, Hey, I just bought that. Oh, I'm making a 10 X. I'm making this. And I'm personally, I was also uh, buying this and that and, uh, uh, making mad gains, uh, crazy gains. Um, and Kishu Inu, uh, and like Tiger King, for example, Tiger King, I bought Tiger King without a website. I didn't even know the website. I just literally saw the contract. I mean, at that time, meme coins were popping so hard that I couldn't keep up. And so what I would do is I would just go to EtherScan and sort of track all the transactions that were happening 
And then I would see, oh, okay, this coin looks like uh, the, the community is very low. Okay, potential T-King. Uh, so I was like, cool, we'll go buy it. And then next thing, you know, Tiger King is just popping off. And then John's actually the one who told me, hey, I found the website. Uh, and he also bought Tiger King. And, you know, <laughs> it just uh, 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 it sort of blew up. And then I only found out later that there's actually uh, a celebrity that is sort of being like the image behind Tiger King. I don't even yeah. think he knew at the time that uh, he was the brand behind it. And I think he just kind of accepted it. And so memes um, uh, can be dangerous on the other end because, for example, Keanu Inu um, was also very popular. I mean, it was like one of the, uh, at that stage, one of the uh, uh, fastest growing um, communities. And so what happened is Keanu Reeves was like, nah, perhaps it wasn't Keanu Reeves, Perhaps it was him. <laughs> like, we're not having this. Is there, was the, Finally was, for the was there a, genu was there a genuine uh, relational attachment to that? Or was this just a fictitious thing? Uh, uh, um, um, they came up. Uh, so this uh, the developer, he called himself Snoop Dogg. He came up with uh, this idea of having a pit bull and calling that pit bull Keanu Inu. And basing it off the matrix at first. And then the community was like, okay, cool. This is really cool. So the community started making memes about this pit bull, you know, fighting agents, you know, and then it became about John Wick. It became about all of the uh, Keanu's uh, sort of, you know, uh, all of these. Uh, uh, what is his story? Exactly. The star is firing out of control. Uh, and, um, some people thought, oh, Keanu's going to endorse us. Uh, so obviously people reached out to Keanu uh, Reeves, the person, and, uh, you know, probably thought, yeah, man, you know, we're going to strike a big deal. Keanu's going to put us on, uh, uh, um, you know, the, the, the big broadcasting networks. He's going to talk to Hollywood. We are going to blow up. We're going to leave Dogecoin in the dust. Uh, opposite thing happened, filed for litigation. So now um, that coin is... Uh, at zero and, um, you know, they're planning to release another one and airdrop everybody. Well, let's see how that happens. But, uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the, that's the risk, I guess, uh, with the meme coins is that it can really blow up in your face. I love that. Dude. That was perfect explanation. <laughs> perfect. Jordan. There was actually something that came to mind speaking about hex and staking. Um, you know, with, with the new launch of, uh, is an ETH 2.0, right? Are they going to bring in the whole staking function, proof of stake? How do you think that that that's going to impact the 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 whole idea? Because I think competition is something we did chat about, uh, but is is can you explain a little bit more on how that can impact the the, the hex or vice versa? Um, the proof of stake is actually not a new concept. Hmm. Um, the the guy who actually I mean, I don't know if he's particularly the inventor, but Dan Larimer, he created BitShares and BitShares was the first, um, crypto, it was the first blockchain that introduced delegated proof of stake. So it's just a little bit of a more advanced version of proof of stake. And, you know, that's what Pulse X will be sort of, um, uh, uh, running off of because you can vote for validators. Um. And so proof of stake is, uh, uh, um, 
uh, not necessarily new, but it is new for a big blockchain like Ethereum, because, you know, Ethereum's always been running off proof of work mining. Um, and so how it will impact uh, hexagons or the hex uh, community, um, it's an interesting um, uh, uh, question because you know, we know that Hex is built off of Ethereum and if proof of stake, uh, has generally in most cases proved to be, uh, superior to proof of work. Um, I think that it will impact, uh, the Hex community, um, in a way we perhaps, perhaps I'm just saying perhaps because I don't know, um, the transactions on ETH will be cheaper. Uh, okay. perhaps faster, um, more so faster. I don't know about the cheaper, but more so faster. Um, I think that's really, um, the extent of, um, effect, uh, because, you know, we know that, uh, eventually hex will be, uh, supported on the pulse chain network in any case. So I think that on the Ethereum network, it will be a case of perhaps transactions being faster. Um, perhaps, um, with the code, um, you know, being locked in the Ethereum as an ERC 20 token, perhaps it will be more secure. Um, so I think those are the two, those are the three factors that will sort of be impacted, um, by, uh, ETH2 when it comes to proof of stake. Mm. No, awesome. Thank you. I think, I think that's what I think. I mean, I'm. No, but I, I agree with you because I think this whole, this whole hype and you spoke about hype and I think the whole thing about hype is a community actually engaging with one another and actually trying to potentially or indirectly create an opportunity that's not there per se. But I think with Ethereum now and this is sports finds built on the Ethereum blockchain. And I think this is going to create a new way in which people are going to transact uh, more effectively. And I think it's going to almost, um, create a new way in which people actually perceive, um, Ethereum, because I mean, you look at now, Ethereum is starting start to bubble up again. And I think th these kind of conversations are helping drive that. Cause I've seen this in quite a few podcasts actually for now, but, um, I think Chris, what, one thing I also wanted to cover with you before we end off tonight is, um, like what is something that you, what project are you really excited about and what are you, um, like focused on and like. What do you think that the audience should be looking out for in the next few weeks or months? You know, I, I I'm really excited uh, about Hex more than ever, uh, more than anything else. Um, and you look, it's a big uh, turnaround for me because for me, Bitcoin was my biggest bag. Um, and, uh, you know, um, because when I got into the space, I started mining Bitcoin. I was mining Bitcoin, uh, and various other cryptocurrencies. Uh, using the computers at VITS. So, you know, when everybody was sleeping or so, when everybody was... VITS is at a university. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, um, it's interesting because we all we all studied at uh, VITS, you know, so we can sort of uh, have an image of, you know, going to the labs and, you know, logging in and, uh, you know, seeing everybody around. So what I would do is I would literally go and just log in the computer, start mining, jump to the next one, log in, start mining. And then throughout the day, I would try and put together like a hundred computers 
and they're all mining. They're all mining Bitcoin, mining Dogecoin, mining all these coins. And so uh, I've never really been a maximalist. Um, I, from the beginning, uh, you know, I've sort of been like all over the show. And so um, when, it, but now I'm like leaning very strongly into Hex because um, first of all, Hex is like one of the highest achieving, if not the highest achieving uh, asset in a short uh, uh, time period. Uh, you know, the uh, ten thousand X is very serious uh, in the space of two years. I mean, it's a, it's incredible that uh, more people don't know about it. How can you not know that ten thousand X was created in such a short period, but you can know about something like Dogecoin, um, which has done well too? But I mean, you know, uh, uh, technology, the technological. Uh, 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 stands behind Do Dogecoin, you know, it doesn't come near the ability uh, that uh, uh, Hex has, you know, the ability to sort of lock up your coins uh, for a certain time period and then stay dedicated to that decision. Um, and if you actually do not commit to that decision being penalized uh, and in the community sort of benefiting from your um, uh, uh, your, 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 your fault. Uh, I think there's a very, um, uh, it's very, uh, it's a very fair system. And, um, so Hex for me is like one of the most perfect, uh, cryptos, um, to start off. And then, I mean, I do like Shiba Inu, um, because I do think that Shiba Inu is good for crypto at large. Uh, because, you know, people, uh, it's very easy to get excited about Shiba Inu, dogs, I mean, gee, dogs, man, best friend, you know, so it's such a good um, meme coin. Um, but also, in particular, an ERC-20 token, um, which means that the on-ramping process, you know, people are jumping onto Ethereum generally um, because they know about it. And then, you know, from Ethereum, they're able to then purchase uh, Shiba Inu. Whereas if you want to buy something like Dogecoin, you know, you probably have to go through a particular exchange. Um, and I really don't like exchanges. So, um, Shiba Inu to me is also very important, but, uh, when it comes to that fun aspect and that emotional side, um, and then, you know, I also believe in sort of stable coins because stable coins help you, you know, make profit. Like when you have, when you've made some profits, you know, you want to keep your profits. You don't want to sort of put it in another crypto that could possibly go up or could uh, possibly go down, you know. So stable coins for me are important. You know, I preferably like uh, UST. Uh, USDT, excuse me, UST is the one that, uh, man, that one hurt me. But uh, then, then let, 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 let's, let, let's talk about that, like how failed um investments have actually impacted you because I think a lot of people have also lost money with regards to other projects. I mean, Jono, when, when it comes to the kind of investments that you're doing, are you as risk averse or what, what is your take on, on, on the way you go about investing? Yeah, look, um, a lot of people kind of do the whole leverage investing kind of thing. So they take out big loans, uh, on their existing investments. Uh, that's not something. Well, there was, a, there was a stage where I was implementing that kind of strategy. Uh, then I started to learn more uh, via Richard Hart, where he started to, to get me to understand that this is a long-term thing. So if you can earn uh, passive 
uh, income, or shall I say passive uh, tokens uh, that can be translated into stable coins or, or, or um, fiat currency. I think it, it, it allows people to understand that it's, if you can be patient, you can get to a point where you can be earning passively from these, these investments you put together a very long time ago. So for me, it's about understanding how much you are willing to, to um, put into the space uh, on a monthly basis. And when there are opportunities to put in big lump sums, I do so. And it's usually a very intuitive um, approach. So uh, a feeling when, when is this um, coin at its, at its bottom right now or as closely as possible? Because that's a great opportunity. Because if it spikes, you can, you can take some profit and hold because everything is going to dip. It's going to go up. It's going to dip even during the holding process. You'll see your, your, your portfolio go up substantially. And if you just hold, you'll see it go down substantially. That's just the nature of, of, of this ecosystem. So if you can bear that, then fair. But if you are, are, are quite, um, if your acumen's good in this, in the trading aspect, you, you can call the tops and pull out profit uh, into stable coins. And then when it drops again, buy into it again. So yes, there's an approach, but this is very risky. So hence why um, most, most people say just hold. Buy buy when you can. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's just my approach. So when I have some money, I buy when I can, but it, it needs to be an intuitive one for me. So yeah, Chris, we were basically just chatting about how um, we, we, we're getting, what's the strategy behind the, the crypto going forward? And I don't know if there's any specific strategy that you have um, in terms of how you implement fiat into the space. Um, I, I, I like what you said. I, I, I agree with uh, what you said. Um, and you know, the beautiful thing about crypto is that even if you buy the top, there's a new top coming, yeah. um, you know, as long as you buy, yeah, I mean, as long as you buy, um, the, the right coin, of course. Um, and so dollar cost averaging is something that I also like to do, um, when, um, I see an opportunity, but. I also like the approach of just deciding that, you know what, I have some money. I'm just going to buy a lot of coins right now. And then sort of having an idea of when you want to sort of, uh, take profits on that particular purchase. So, you know, I mean, if you have like 300 Rand, you know, you can sort of buy today, but if you have 3000 Rand, I'm just saying this Rand because, you know, we South Africans, but I know that for you, Mike, you in the States. So let's actually use dollars because, you know, we're actually, uh, generally, uh, buying, uh, all these cryptos in dollars, uh, the price in dollars. So let's say you've got $30, um, is $30 a lot of money in America? No, no, uh, not trade. Okay. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite, uh, uh, touchy subject, I suppose, because $30 can be a lot for some people, right? But like in terms of investing and what, what, um, utility or value you get for investing, $30 is very minimal. Mm. So that okay. I'd equate it, yeah, I'd equate it to like 3,400 Rand if you are in South African. I mean, like, 
uh, I suppose what, what, what is the, what is the intention of saying that? Like, are you trying to achieve like a minimal or like a middle ground kind of uh, yeah. value? Yeah. Because the idea, like if you have $30, you know, you could sort of be like, okay, I'm going to buy a little bit of crypto today, but you know, if $300 is a lot of money in America, or maybe if it's not then $3,000, like one time you could have $3,000. So instead of saying, okay, of my $3,000, um, I'm gonna, you know, take 1000 and buy today and see how the market goes. And if it dips again, take maybe $500 and buy today. That could be a strategy that you could use, or, um, you could just save yourself time and just spend that $3,000 once, uh, because the thing about dollar cost averaging is that, yes, it seems like you're getting a good deal, but actually you're spending more time to try and get a good deal. So, you know, for me, time is, um, the most, uh, expensive commodity, um, because it's the one that you can't get back. So, um, you know, that's where having a lot of money and then just buying at one time actually becomes more effective than trying to make gains off dips. And, you know, I think that most people are going to try to make money off gain or of dips, but I mean, that's why most people work for, uh, 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 money, you know, they spend the time working for money. Uh, whereas less people actually have other people spend their time. So, the, you know, you've got less employers in the world than you do have employees because employees are more focused on leveraging their time to make money. Uh, whereas employers on leveraging other people's time and other people's efforts. And so I think that that mentality uh, sp uh, uh, spills into crypto uh, where you've got more people sort of dollar cost averaging uh, than people saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, I have a lot of money. I don't care if it dips or doesn't dip. I'm not going to be looking at charts, trying to find a dip because you know what? I want to go and ski or I want to do whatever I want to do with my time, you know? So I think both strategies work, you know, it just depends on your mindset. Um, and, you know, incorporating both strategies, I think is, um, the, the superior thing to do. Yeah. I think that's nice. quite fascinating. I think that is fascinating the way you, 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 you put it because, um, I think a lot of people, whether they invest in crypto, whether they invest in NFTs, whether they, they invest in anything, there's, there's a cost associated to the time. And I think like you were saying now, because people are investing in crypto, it's kind of Unnewfangled, they tend to not actually understand that their time and their energy that they applied to the search is actually costing them more than they believe. Wow. Yeah. So I think, yeah. John, exactly. before we end off, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss with Chris again? So, Chris, again, we will have you on again the show. Uh, it's not the, the, the last time. And I mean, I, I think it's been really great today. I appreciate your time. I mean, we have about a few more, a few more minutes, John, anything that you, you answered Chris to cover with Chris before we end off and obviously we'll have Chris on again. Yeah. This was something that, uh, crossed my mind when you mentioned Dogecoin and something I, I listened to, um, well, well, <laughs> it wasn't much a debate, but not really <laughs> conversation between, um, uh, Jordan Balford and, and Richard Hart with all centralization with, 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 uh, exchanges. And now you mentioning Dogecoin being a, a crypto you can only find on, on exchanges and Elon Musk being a big um, spokesperson for the crypto. Is this perhaps a conspiracy of trying to retain 
uh, centralization at a global level uh, by the, the the governments because um, I'm pardon. No, so sorry, sorry. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. because I'm I'm going to say something because I'm hearing a lot of um, uh, investors pushing uh, Coinbase, um, what's it, Robinhood, those kind of of exchanges as as a means to an end perhaps trying to elude the audience or should I say the, the general public to actually buy into to exchanges more so than to find a, a decentralized route. What's your thoughts on that, eh, Chris? Well, hold on, Mikey, you said you wanted to mention something. Sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to say, I think this is a very, very good conversation. And I think, and uh, I think it's fascinating because this can not only be applied to this particular industry and this mm. niche that we obviously are discussing, this can be applied to sports and how yeah. the media manipulates and actually can turn audiences in a direction in which um, they perhaps do not realize that they forcibly moved into. An example would be like the media really killing foreign players and not really killing the English players in, in the English Premier League. And that's not kind of creating a narrative by virtue of media where they, they, they're deceiving society and making people believe something that's truly not actually, um, there's no facts um, to, to hold to that. So I think what you're saying is kind of can be applied to in, in the industry. But now what you are asking, Chris, and Chris, I think um, I'd love for you to get your opinion on that, is that you essentially saying is that these governments and the way that they're promoting these larger entities like the coin bases, like, because now they can actually get more of a stronghold on that and have a lot more restrictions. And by doing that, they're still kind of allowing for the exchanges to happen, but in a more formalized and secure manner. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a very good observation because if you consider how much money exchanges are making, exchanges are the new banks. Um, in fact, I think banks are envious of exchanges. Like, why didn't we have a department in this? You know, come on, somebody. Why? You know, I'm sure they're kicking each other, saying, you know, yeah, well, I did come up with the schematics, and you guys just rejected it. You know, so it's like the, um, the Kodak stories. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, yes. exactly, exactly. So I think that exchange, I mean, it is seriously like if anybody should have been an exchange, it should have been banks. Um, and so I think that uh, these private organizations who uh, took on that new uh, empire or corporate empire, you know, they are, are, are already um, on in, in a league of their own. And so I think there's the Chris, media. But Chris, think about it this way. The reason why the banks didn't do it is because people were creating these things to go against the banking system. Yeah, sure, sure, exactly. But I mean, I think that anybody who would be aware that this would come should have been the bankers. It's like, if I have, if I have a stronghold or if I've created an organization, I should, and, and, and I'm doing really well, and it's a global organization, I should have the foresight to sort of see where I would be, uh, uh, where the shortcomings would be, you know, like where would the enemies come in? Where would people be able to infiltrate and sort of take dominion? You know, I should be the first one to see that before anybody else. I just think that even if you're not the first one, at least you should have a department that is aware and that keeps bringing feedback. Okay, look, here's a, a, an entry point uh, for competition to just, you know, uh, uh, supersede us. Um, so I, I agree with you that, uh, the, you know, what exchanges do is, um, 
they do create a new sort of avenue that um, is uh, different from banks. And then what decentralized exchanges do is create an avenue that is uh, 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 against these exchanges. And, you know, of course, our favorite decentralized exchanges, and you're not really going to get much media uh, push on decentralized exchanges because of the very fact that they're decentralized. Um, the media doesn't profit from decentralized exchanges because a decentralized exchange owes nothing to the media for promoting them. There is no contractual agreement that if you push us on TV, we will give you a certain amount of shares in our fees. They, you know, like decentralized exchanges wouldn't care. I mean, they'd be like, okay, well, you know, you can do that and we'll benefit. But I mean, we're already creating business uh, with or without your um, media push. Um, so, um, but the incentive for uh, centralized exchanges to uh, have that uh, 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 is very, uh, uh, is very power. It's a very powerful relationship for the media to have that relationship. And so, yes, I think that, um, we always going to see this, um, popular narrative because, you know, when I first got into crypto, um, it was actually the centralized exchanges that I was trying to run away from because the fees were so high. So when I was mining Bitcoin, I'd throw it onto uh, I try and trade other coins because, you know, obviously uh, altcoins outperform Bitcoin. So I was trying to make money off my Bitcoin. So I then, okay, I'm mining this Bitcoin. Let me throw it onto this exchange so that I can sort of buy another crypto and it can go up and then I can buy more Bitcoin. Oh, what a mistake I made. Because when I put my Bitcoin on the exchange, just from trying to make a trade, they charged me so much that it was almost more than the amount that I put on exchange and then i said okay well you know what i just want my bitcoin back oh well that was even more the 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 fees was more than my bitcoin and you know i'm basically i gave them away i gave away my profits i gave away my money i gave away my uh, mining uh, uh earnings and so um you know the fees are are, are ridiculous and um uh, uh robin hood and coinbase you know they promote you won't find them promoting like uh they'll promote the emotional uh, cryptos, you know, that we were talking about, um, because, uh, they know that, uh, most of the audience or most of investors in crypto are emotional and, you know, are therefore more susceptible to, um, fees, uh, and, um, more susceptible to making losses. And that's how exchanges win. Exchanges win off you profiting and they win off you losing. And so, um, but more people lose than, than, than win. So they need more losers. And so, of course, the media is going to be like, okay, how do we uh, uh, make this relationship strong so that, you know, we can uh, 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 create with the decentralized exchanges. Um, you know, when I first discovered BitShares, it was actually the decentralized exchange that uh, helped me pay for my uh, uh, final year at Vits, uh, because what happened is there was an airdrop into my... Um, a BitShares account. And, you know, I mean, there was no marketing for that. That was actually the marketing for the coin. So uh, what I like about decentralized exchanges is that they will market a product and that product is um, the, 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 the getting pushed rather than just marketing the uh, hope for, uh, uh, you know, gains. So, you know, I literally got smart cash drop, airdropped into my wallet and 
it was so much smart cash that uh, it just blew my mind. But, um, you know, obviously then my impression of smart cash is, you know, uh, amazing. And so I go and I spread the word through word of mouth, which is the most, um, you know, effective form of marketing, even in the 21st century with social media and everything that we have, uh, word of mouth, uh, has proved to be uh, dominant. And so I think that what these exchanges want, um, with the media is they want that word of mouth. So, um, that's why it's so strong with Coinbase, uh, uh, um, uh, and, um, Robin Hood, uh, that, uh, you were talking about, John. Hmm. Well, so, yeah, could be a government, it could be a government, uh, wait. I'm just saying that, 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 that was, that was amazing. That was, that was fantastic. I think that's a perfect way to end off with, uh, we've come to the end, uh, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been great to connect with you again. Any, any closing remarks that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Savidis. Thank you, John, for having me on the show. Um, I want to say that, uh, the work that you guys are doing is really awesome because, you know, um, we are literally on three different continents and, you know, this is not typical, uh, of South Africans to sort of uh, initiate this kind of an, uh, agenda. So I really appreciate that uh, from you guys. Um, I've always, uh, felt like the dumbest person in the room. And, you know, that's what I love. I, I love to be the person, uh, who sort of can learn. Uh, and uh, I still remember the moment, uh, I sat down with you, John and Farasani, and I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, I'm sitting down here with uh, chemical engineer graduates, uh, uh, MBA, uh, graduate. And, uh, um, so it's always an honor to, um, be in your guys' presence and to the audience, um, you know, you guys should, uh, really, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, uh, you should really just stay tuned. Uh, I've been watching sports finder and, um, you definitely want to share this with your friends, uh, get them educated in NFTs, uh, cause NFTs are here to stay. And, uh, you know, these are the guys that you want to hear from because these guys are literally building this from the ground up. I mean, getting connected. I saw your video with uh, Gary V Mike. That was amazing, bro. He blew my mind. I couldn't believe you were standing next to Gary V, but you stood next to him with confidence. You know what I'm saying? You weren't like, you know, mouse and, and you were there like a man. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, I appreciate that, dude. It's, 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 it's great. And I mean, it's, it's so awesome to hear. I mean, cause the kind of projects that you involved in and the stuff that you spoke about now, I can tell you right now, there's not many podcasts that will be delving into it in the way you've done. And I think it was quite genuine and authentic. So, I mean, I'd love to have you on again. And, um, Jono, um, any closing remarks as we always do, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I want to firstly say thanks. Thanks, Chris, for coming through. It was amazing, dude. And then and, and secondly, uh, there's something that, that crossed my mind from Seth Godin based on our chat. And it was, um, no one gives you initiative. You just got to have to take it. So yeah, much love. Yeah. Always bringing the wisdom, always bringing the wisdom. Everyone that's listening, thank you so much. Um, we keep growing our viewers and our subscribers week on week. Please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And yeah, look out for the next episode next week. Take care. Nice job.